Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Show part of the Ringer Podcast Network presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Um, I'm with Chris Yang. We are in person, but when we recorded this podcast with Domi Shi, we were very far away. We were still remote. I prefer it that way. No one prefers it more than me. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why white people don't want people to take off their shoes. <laughs> Because Chris is like sockless right in front of me He's right now. At, Dave is sitting on the floor at my foot level, and it is it is starting to make me question the whole shoeless thing. Yes. But we're here in, in L.A. recording a bunch of things. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was uh, Noelle is here right now. She's reorganizing something. They were uh, in disbelief that I went to Disneyland yesterday. Yeah. So, I actually went, but these two guys are locals. Well, more Noel. Chris grew up in Republican Red, Orange County. Where Disneyland is, that's that's it's in Anaheim, Orange County. That's not Orange County. It is Orange County. Big time. Well, no wonder. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, so first of all, yesterday I didn't because I was out there last are, week. Disney, our parent company. Yes, <laughs> our parent company, Land. I yesterday. Well, so that's the thing. Yesterday, I, I jumped on the the team call. I had been out of town. And somebody said, oh, Dave's out today. He's at Disney. And I just kind of like, man, eh, I just wrote that off. And then somebody Me said, Bob like, Chepik, we wanted to This is what I future. legitimately thought. <laughs> like, Dave's at Disney. I was like, oh, he must be having a big pitch meeting at Disney. He must be doing something. And then after the call, I must have asked Noel or Lala or somebody. And I said, what, what are you guys talking about? Dave's at Disney. And they're like, Dave's at Disneyland. The multiverse of madness. <laughs> I was like, what is Dave doing? And, and so... I, we, we all, you can probably guess, but Dave, what did you feel about Disneyland? I'm tired. I'm yeah. really tired. And Noel and Chris have like permagrin smiles. Like whenever they think about Disneyland, it's amazing. Face. Guess what? If I was a child and I went to Disneyland like Hugo, I would be fucking amazing. Now I, I, res I, I respect the game. That's what I was going to say. Do you not respect the ruthless, I respect the, efficient I capitalism of Disneyland? I, 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 I just, I'm tired it was really a lot. I have not experienced anything like that ever in my life. <laughs> um, 
like going to those things used to be fun as a child as an adult it sucks it's pretty exhausting it you're sucks. not you're not doing anything you want to do Again, no but the, i, I, I Hugo is so gonna, happy. I'm going to lie to you and say, yes, I was so overjoyed that my son had the best time ever. <laughs> yes, it was really fun. But I can simultaneously feel like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is so hard. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's crowded. It's hot. It was hot. And <laughs> I spent $30 on a Disney bubble machine. <laughs> that was $30. Right. Did it even make it home? Yeah, it's home. And I have to empty out the the extra reserve of bubble liquid <laughs> that I had to buy. Yeah. Cause Hugo was the loudest person in all of Disneyland when there were no more bubbles <laughs> and I had to empty out because it's not meant for indoors. Oh, interesting. And I wonder how safe it is when people, little kids put their bubble machine on in the car. That's probably not super safe, but yeah. if it's not meant. <laughs> all right. But what did Hugo, okay. What was Hugo's favorite thing other than the bubble machine? The cars, the bumper cars thing. Well, yeah, that's good. Auto something, something. Mm -hmm. He also liked the Spider-Man thing. That was super cool. I like that. You see? You like something. But I didn't like the line waiting. Yeah. Lines are rough. What else was fun? He also liked the Safari Cruise. The Jungle Cruise, yeah. Yes. Kids go crazy for that thing. Yes. Yeah, so what did you make of the Jungle Cruise humor? Do you giggle at all? No. You didn't even have a chuckle? Listen, I don't want to upset the parent company. <laughs> But isn't it, I mean, you got to marvel that this thing exists. It's a, like a theme park is one of the most insane human inventions. I still don't understand why they fucking have pickles. I'm trying not to curse. <laughs> Everyone's like, pickles, you got to try these pickles. It's the best thing. The pickles, the pickles. It's a good pickle. It's $4.99 a pickle. <laughs> Did you have a, a pineapple? No. What's it called? No. You didn't have a pineapple I saw people thing. drinking that. I'm like, I'm, no whip. I'm not a sheep. Dude. The Dole Whip no. is very delicious. No. Dole Whip is very no. delicious. No. no. Did you eat? Did you? Okay. What was you Dave's? You sound like QAnon believers. I mean, I, I recognize, I recognize that it's like, I'm just tapping into my own nostalgia. I want Westworld. <laughs> no. That's is, what I kept on thinking. No. I was like, if this was Westworld, this would be amazing. No. You would just be attacking Chip and Dale. I kept on thinking, <laughs> wow, Westworld would be amazing. And I also kept on thinking... Maybe next time I go, I might take some psilocybin. Maybe a little, a little something to heighten the experience. Because you could have some, uh, there's a lot of funny things happening there with people in costumes and crazy stuff and uh, Peter Pan world. Like, I, think, is... I think if I was younger in my 20s and I could do such things, I would do such things. <laughs> If I lived in the neighborhood. But the, here's the thing about like, this is what I'm saying. It's like a casino, another adult Disneyland, in its sort of like efficiency. Because I'm sure people take mushrooms and go to Disneyland. I'm sure people get all There's fucked no up booze. and go. There's no booze. No, there go is to some booze. Places. People are going to complain. There's some booze. There's no, you can't smoke cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> I grant you, you can't smoke no, cigarettes. No, chewing tobacco. <laughs> I don't think there's a ban on chew. You can probably chew tobacco. No, who <laughs> No three foot glass graphics bong hits. <laughs> okay, fine. It's 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 not Christiania. It's not like a it's it's not a drug heaven. But like Disneyland's amazing because like all the times I've been there, I've never once encountered like a wasted person. I feel like they just like they're so on top of their shit. That's impressive. And that I would think, also I, I'm gonna say I think that at least thirty three percent of the parents there are in edibles, one hundred percent. 
I mean, I mean, one hundred percent chance that there's thirty three percent chance <laughs> that there's parents on edibles. Statist- Dave Chang statistics again. Yeah, I mean, I've I don't think I've ever gone to Disneyland actually in any sort of altered state, but I feel like it might be pretty. I mean, it all might, it might be like crazy though. It might now, be terrifying. I'm a responsible parent, Chris, mm-hmm. and I went sober. Mm-hmm. And next time. I don't know if I, I don't know. Next time I'll probably go to the Pixar side. We'll spend more mm. time doing that stuff. And you skipped, here's the craziest thing, Dave, you skipped Star Wars. Yeah. Like as a huge Star Wars fan, you missed like the coolest fucking thing. Because it was fucking hot. <laughs> so and, was Tatooine, man. Hugo was going crazy. So was Tatooine. Too much. So was, was too Asia. Much, too much. Listen, Hugo had a blast. He loved it. I I think that this is. Um, this is in your future. This is a this regular is a, thing in your future. Not a World Cup. It's like World Cup. What? Every four years. No, you're going to go more often than that. No. no. Really? Every four years. Interesting. Yeah. Or every Haley's Comet cycle. <laughs> 76 years you'll go to. Fine. I'll bring, when I, when I move down, I'll bring, I'll bring Hugo with me. I'll take Hugo to Disneyland. Well, this is pertinent because we have a guest today that we talked to who also works for our parent company. It is a perfect cycle of capitalism. And how can you not admire that? I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> yes, you, you want to be on top of that. You want to be at the top of Cinderella's castle looking down, just counting your No, your I only want to own it. That's what I'm saying. You want to be, you want to be at the top of that. Oh my God. Well, I mean, you know, it starts, you got you to gotta undercover boss. You I don't know they the sell fucking giant turkey legs. Oh, you didn't get a turkey leg? No, I don't want a turkey leg. Hmm. Ugh. What did you eat? I had a Monte Cristo sandwich. Yeah, how was that? No one wanted to order it, so I ordered it. And I will never order one again. <laughs> I've never had... I probably have ordered a Monte Cristo half a dozen times in my life. Wait, what is the, the Monte, Monte Cristo? Monte Cristo is Sometimes I believe there's jam in it, yeah, and it's battered sweet. and deep fried. Oh, that's right. I've never want... I, I, I think there's a reason why the Monte Cristo sandwich is not won battered the world over. and deep fried? Yeah. It's not just like pancake batter on a griddle. Well, that also is one reason why I celebrated Disneyland and broke my wheel of constraint. (laughs) (laughs) Disneyland broke you. It's diplomatic immunity. Once you're in Disneyland, you can eat whatever the fuck you want. Well, it's a sovereign state. It's under the rule of of (laughs) Princess Disney. Yeah. So I had that. I had a lot of water and I had a Coke Zero and then I had a bite of a pickle. God, this is just like the saddest Disney trip in the world. And uh, usually, I had a couple Cheetos. Usually when I'm like, Dave, oh, you just came back from an adventure, a trip, a journey somewhere. Tell me about your, your how, how you did. We get like a beautiful, strategically organized, totally enviable. My friend just flew to Vegas well, we because had, she heard well, about your had, Vegas trip. We had breakfast at this place that had chilaquiles out of the buffet. That was good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. At Disneyland? And I had never had patatas bravas before as tater tots. But that was good, too. What do you mean? At the buffet, the breakfast buffet, they said tater tots. They said patatas bravas with a spicy aioli. (laughs) And I had a double take that. I was like, it was just seasoned tater tots with mayonnaise. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. It was pretty good, actually. (laughs) All, All in, yes. I'm mainly complaining because. It's hard as a parent. It's to so go to hard it's as a parent, and I think I have so many joyous moments as a kid without any responsibilities. And my only regret is he was not old enough because I was just a year. Take my 
just take some money and just come just back. Go do, do do your thing. <laughs> do your thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's. I mean, I had that same realization. You know, I took my daughter skiing, and I was like, "Oh, I had a great time skiing with my parents as a kid." And like, "Oh my god, this is what they went through. This is yeah, a nightmare." So yeah, all in my first Disneyland experience as a parent. I'll probably have to go back again when Gus gets a little bit older. Um, you know. I went to bed at 7.30 yesterday. Oh, my God. I was so tired. Oh, my God. I was so, so tired. Yeah. No, it's exhausting, man. But, like, I bet Hugo was so happy. How can a child not have a fucking good time? Yeah, exactly. They're in a f- stroller right. and pushed around. Right. And it's the one time that anything they want, they can get. Anything they want, they can get. And 360 degrees is just, like, pure stimulation. I put the line that I would not cross when Hugo wanted... A giant uh, arm at Toy Story store where you could like, like it was like a gun that you could use as a claw to pick stuff up off. And I wouldn't let him do that. What kind of, did he get any special sweet treats? Did he go a sweet lover? Does he like sweets? No, he had a whole thing of popcorn. He had his own snacks yesterday. You pack him a little snack. He he didn't eat anything at lunch. Mm -hmm. We got a mac and cheese and eat that. And he put a whole thing of popcorn on the floor and mixed it with water. So there was like nice sludge. He made like popcorn cement on the bottom. And then um, he poured water all all over. This is actually, uh, Hugo's never going to listen to this. (laughs) We're at the restaurant and he's making popcorn cement on the floor. And he comes up. Without pants on. <laughs> no, he does not. No, he does not. <laughs> he does. He's. We're sitting down, and I'm like, oh, my God. He just dropped trowel in the middle yeah, of the because he's like, oh. I, I'm wet. I'm wet. I'm wet. I'm pretty sure next time we go back to Disneyland, there will be a turning red ride. Oh, yeah. A red panda ride. Oh, something. Yeah. They can turn a ride into anything. Yeah. Just the Mater put- has its own from Cars has its own ride. Like. I will. I, this is this is. Uh, I don't take a lot of risky bets. I'm just not a. I'm a risk adverse well, person. Interesting. But I will bet my entire future earnings as an adult. <laughs> what do you know? Tell this is a bad bet. This is a bad. But there bet. will be a turning red ride. You really think that that's going to happen? One hundred million times a million times a million times a million <laughs> times a million. You have been spending too much time around kids. Uh. Our guest is Domi Shi, the director and writer of Turning Red. And uh, you may know her from such short films, Pixar films as Bao. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful And she's worked on all the other huge ones. Yeah. Um, She gave us like an amazing insight into like the whole pitching process and everything of how you like get one of these Pixar movies made. It is true. They're trying to make you cry with suffering and pain. Yeah. Everything you think they're trying (laughs) to do, they're 100%. They're like, start from a place of hurt. Something that's deep inside you that hurt. Okay. And and, and listen, you're you're talking to the creator of what I think is going to be one of those movies that everybody watches. Yeah. It's crazy this movie is made. It's crazy how like, it's a real crazy it's a real crazy movie. it's a very crazy movie and like if you think about it in this like grand scheme of disney movies it's nuts that this exists and you know what like domi i think was pretty good like when you do these these junkets right yeah. we get pitched a lot yeah. of junket type press stuff we actually say no to many of them yeah but you know we wanted to support domi yeah. and she was actually game and we were early on in her press tour so we yeah. got her fresh and she didn't give us like the, the reason why is you don't want to get like the can dancer 
and like someone who's not even gonna like respond to your questions because we try hard to ask questions that like aren't just like and so what what do you like a red panda uh, please hold Chris accountable for that because you guys might be thinking, wow, Chris always asks these ridiculous questions. But um, I, I think that besides her talking about this film, which again, my wife loved very much because Domi's the same age as Grace and there was a lot of, not it's not a perfectly a biographical thing, but there's a lot of elements that I think people would, particularly women that were in their 10, 11, 12 year old age in the 90s boy band era boy band era would would really appreciate also like i've never i don't even know what it's like to love a boy band you know what i mean like i've never had that feeling before you know the, my only feeling is like maybe optimus prime when he died in transformers <laughs> you know like i don't have that feeling ah when he gave the matrix of power to hot rod and became hot rod rodimus prime. Right. rodimus prime <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> I yeah, cried. Man. That's what it was like. That's how we. You got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. Oh my God. Stan, Stan Bush. Bush. <laughs> anyway, listen, we could talk on and on. I'm sorry that we went too long about this Disney rant. That was Chris. Chris wanted to talk about Disney. I not just want me. to talk about Disney. But go check out Turning Red with Domi She, her first feature film on Pixar. Um, shout out to Toronto where the city where the where the film takes place and uh, all the Chinatown China burbs around Toronto. Some excellent, excellent eating. Um, so here is our interview with Domi Shi. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Um, how, how many of these have you done all day or in, in the next <laughs> week? It's got to be like oh. 130. This is, you're my second for the day. So no I'm still fresh. I still feel fresh. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of, of doing things in the pandemic is you can get a lot more of these calls done than, than before. But um, how many people have been just like talking about the food for your, for your new movie? Is it, is it, is oh. it mostly food? Like what are the, what are the topics? We want to avoid all the traditional stuff. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I wish people asked me more about food. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Uh, I just did a thing with John M. Chu uh -huh. for, for we, for the grocery app that he's like the creative 
I know you just uh, signed on as personal. creative director. They clearly yeah. passed over me um, <laughs> and took John. So oh, no. don't worry, we're friends. I didn't John know and I are friends. Okay, no, cool. we're friends. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, good, good, good. But yes, uh, yeah. So we ate a bunch of snacks on camera and talked about food and, and stuff. So that that was really fun. But yeah, most of the questions have been about like my background and why a panda and all that stuff. Well, we're definitely like a run, like second in the race with John now because we don't have any food to give you. We can only talk about the food that you made. But like, you know, when I watched your your movie, I didn't know anything other than I had seen Bao and I loved it very much. And um, my wife was watching with me and she immediately said, I'm going to love this. And I didn't see it from a perspective of uh, my wife is Korean American. I didn't see it from the perspective of an Asian woman. So she took a, she took a completely different perspective than me. And, 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 and uh, I think Chris might've felt the same way um, that like when I watched it, I thought it was going to be like the first 20 minutes. I was like, this could be like a sitcom almost, Yeah. <laughs> but then it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I thought it could be like way more about food. So I, I, I was, I was like really pleased to see like this movie caused my wife and I to have a conversation. I don't think we would have ever had before. Oh yeah. Like about what? Like, I don't know. I mean, that could be wrong, but like, I, I'm, I promise we're going to get to, to the other points, but <laughs> she, she was like, she, at least it moved her in the sense that she's like, she could really connect with the mother daughter being Asian in another country and like not being able to like be yourself, uh, mm-hmm. even though like she would like to be, you know? So yeah. I was just like, wow. Uh, again, Pixar does it again, where they <laughs> connect the dots in ways I never thought were possible. Ying, did you think of, did, were you expecting yeah. to see this? There, no, there's like a lot of, I mean, like on this podcast, you know, Dave and I talk a lot about the Asian American experience. And I think that oftentimes Dave loves to talk about solipsism and we sort of get into our own heads that like me and Dave understand everything about what it means to be Asian. I mean, Canadian nation of Asian American, like we understand all of it and every single possible angle because we are Asian men. But like it took zero (laughs) seconds to watch this movie and say, oh, yeah, there's like a lot more nuance than just, you know, me and Dave grew up and we were big and and it was weird and (laughs) people made fun of our food. And I think I think you're totally right, Dave. Like, I I think that there were many moments in the in in your movie where, you know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the the, I'm thinking about May May and I'm thinking about, you know, the layers of what she's going through at school, what she's got at home, like and it's on top of, you know. It's so interesting because you talk about in a lot of ways. The movie is about this is what Dave's talking about. You know, you're uh, from this Asian background and you have this overbearing mother who has really high expectations for you. But you're also like a, a girl who's about to go through puberty. And like the fact that her turning into a panda gets conflated with like her having her first period, you know, like there's so much going on here. And I think for sure, Dave, like I, I was like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. About <laughs> yeah. What's happening and, I, 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 and I was never I never grew up like. Uh with a boy band as, as something to like follow, you know, or even like, I had no idea that that could be a thing. And and my uh-huh. wife was like, do you have no idea how strong that emotion <laughs> is when you're that age? You, you literally don't understand Dave, that like your entire world centers, centers around like this band that you love more than life itself. And I was like, I, I, I still don't understand. I just sound like a dumb Asian bro on this, but it was, it was funny to talk about and, and enlightening. I didn't know. Did you oh, did you awesome. have like did you find it was there a moment when you were sort of developing the story in this movie where you had a decision point of to 
whether you wanted to set it in Toronto in 2002, when, you know, I, I imagine you were going to invite comparisons to yourself and make this semi-autobiographical, or did you, was there a point where you're like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I'll just set it in 2022 <laughs> and have it in some other place. Or did you always intend for it to be kind of related to you? Yeah, that was there from the start. Uh, and that was, I think part of the hook of the pitch was that, uh, like when I pitched it to Pixar, um, it had that personal element of being almost like ripped from, from my childhood and my, my very, my pretty unique experience being a Chinese Canadian uh, girl growing up in 2002. I also just wanted to avoid, um, social media as, and, and I was just feeling nostalgic, uh, for the early 2000s and just that, that height of boy band dumb pop music dumb and and just wanting to tell a story in that setting with those colors and that music it just felt really enticing and interesting to me just from the very beginning so the best compliment i can give is for me i tell everybody that you know ratatouille is still the best movie to encompass what it's like to work in a kitchen brigade, it, it just, it, and the storyline, mainly because cooks don't know how to act and actors can't uh, cook, right? So like this, mm-hmm. this animated art form is a perfect medium. And it dawned on me, my wife feels about all the interactions, even going to the convenience store and then going to the, the party, like all of these interactions where it's like, oh, she felt so, she felt about your show like she watches Pen15 in a way, but right. like more, more endearing because she's your age. Like she grew up yeah. with this. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, how, maybe a cartoon or an animated movie is the only way to like draw these emotions out. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I mean, Pixar movies are just, they're, they invite you into a world. And for me, I wanted to invite people into the world of a, of a, of an adolescent girl in the early two thousands. And, and the, the, the challenge was always to like pitch it in a way that that could get like old white men interested in it. Um, and, and people who were never like a 13 year old Asian girl. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's, I mean, so interesting. Like that part, what you just said, like pitching it, like I, there's several moments as I was watching this, whether it was, you know, the open discussion of, you know, a, a girl's first menstrual cycle or like the mm-hmm. anime aesthetic, you know, and their eyes go all, you know, doe eyed and all of these kind of things that happen in this movie. I, there was, I was like, it's insane that this exists. It's crazy that this <laughs> is like a Pixar movie. Can you talk yeah. about that pitch process? Was there like how difficult? I mean, you've made so much stuff with Pixar, Disney. Like how did how did you develop this? Did you have to explain things? Did you have to get things over the hump to, to sort of make it happen? Well, first off, I felt really lucky in that, it, you know, like I've worked with Pixar for a long time and they have been like on board and supportive of this kooky idea from the beginning. The way I pitched it too was kind of in this universal way. Like, uh, like we, we've all gone through crazy changes and emotions when we were 13 and wouldn't it be even more embarrassing and funny and awkward if at the time, like anytime you felt a really strong way that you'd poof into a giant, awkward, <laughs> furry animal. Uh, and that was kind of like my, my, my hook, my, my meat hook <laughs> into like, uh, into getting this, uh, film, uh, interested and, and made. And like the, the, the goal is always to try to tell this universal theme 
this universal story about growing up in adolescence through a very culturally specific way. Um, and that's what makes like the, the, the cultural specificity is what makes it unique and makes it stand out and makes people kind of lean in. But then what keeps them kind of like watching it is that like connection and that empathy with, with what May's got kind of going through, um, which I think all of us, like even, you know, boy, girl, Asian, non-Asian, like we've all gone through horrible, <laughs> nightmarish, cringy moments when we were 13. So not me, not me. Not you. You <laughs> smooth sailing from the beginning. <laughs> never hit a never hit a speed bump. <laughs> I mean, yep. I do wonder, Dave. Like, there. So I wonder if you if you related to this, and because I, I I was watching this, and I and I, you know, there's this this struggle that that May is having between wanting to express herself, wanting to explore things, wanting to be, you know, a Canadian kid like all the other ones, wanting to go see the boy band, but also mm-hmm. wanting really desperately to be a good kid, <laughs> to be like seen in her mom's eyes as a good kid. And I thought you did an amazing job of sort of capturing that you can want both things simultaneously. Mm -hmm. You can really, really, really want to be the kid that your parents want you to be and still want to do other things. And they don't like they don't negate one another. I mean, I don't I don't like that. That really resonated with me. I don't know, Dave, if you felt the same way when you were young, if you like wanted to sort of abide by this notion of what your parents wanted while also rebelling or if it was, you know, more one or the other or or, or Domi, how you felt about these no, I was just scared of. I was just scared of my parents. <laughs> I think. I think Tommy had a real relationship. <laughs> I was a good girl. I mean, that that's kind of like. I was like May. Like I, I, I wanted to, to please them, but I also wanted to like be a strong, independent Western woman. And I never once snuck out of the house. Did you guys sneak out of your houses? No, Did you sneak out, Dave? Didn't. I almost got kicked out of boarding school. So, yeah. Whoa, that's hardcore. <laughs> it wasn't uh, hardcore. It was just stupid. Um, <laughs> my parents loved me so much, they sent me away. So. Wow. <laughs> always, but I always wanted to go to boarding school because I was a total Harry Potter nerd. So I was like, what must that be like? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave um, learned all spells and potions. It's true. Yes. yes. Um, when you were uh, making this, I kept and when I was watching it, I kept on trying to figure out what part of Ch- Toronto Chinatown because there's like eight Chinatowns in Toronto. I know. Uh, this was like this, the Chinatown in the movie is inspired by like the old Chinatown, like the one on Spadina and oh, yeah. Dundas. Um, but her, but her family temple that was something that we made up, which we thought would be like a cool kind of setting for this magical story to take place but yeah we you're absolutely right there's like eight chinatowns in toronto and my parents currently live in like well it's not really chinatown they live in the burbs like the china burbs china, so chinatown yeah. and china burbs the china burbs she lives in the yeah <laughs> both of them live in the china burbs so and near, near markham or Mississauga, uh, or i can never they pronounce live that in right. scarborough yeah ah scarborough close to Mar- markham yeah i i i know Toronto pretty well and that's why I was watching I was like I think this is near the restaurant we have it's it's near the Oh really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, we Momofuku? have a little there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I went there. It's yeah. in the it's in the the Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Yeah. And it's nice. and it's literally a nice. 5 minute walk from uh, the Spadina um Chinatown and and yeah. I go to Asian Legend there all the time. Nice. You ever eat there? It's a great the place location. Is, the place is so good. Asian Legend? No. Yeah. There's like four locations. Oh, I gotta check it out. 
when you showed your dad making dumplings, is your dad the dumpling maker? Is he actually the, <laughs> the, the, the cook in the family? Uh, my mom makes dumplings cause she's from the North part of China, but my dad cooks a lot. Um, and that's something I wanted to kind of celebrate in the movie that like a lot of, like not a lot of Western people know that Chinese men can cook <laughs> and they do cook a lot at home. My dad likes to stir fry everything, but I, I always blamed him <laughs> for my acne growing up. Cause he just added so much oil and like spices to everything that it made me break out, but it tasted so good though. <laughs> I mean, but that scene, I mean, I, I, I've lived it. I'm sure you've lived it too, Chris, like making dumplings in front of the TV and then bringing it to the kitchen to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... that's, it's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's, but nothing really happens in it. It's just kind of like a slice of life kind of moment that I was really happy that we could include in the movie just to show people like, oh yeah, this is like a typical night. For this family, you know. Well, I thought that was so interesting is, you know, it's not (laughs) it's not a food movie by any stretch. It's not a movie about food, but sort of I I imagine in trying to convey these like everyday moments like you're talking about, like when you're coming up with something, I'm sure the first thing your mind goes to is like, oh, well, this is most easily communicated through food because this is the reality of how love is demonstrated. This is how, you know, people say things that they can't they don't say ordinarily because like so much of this movie is really about <laughs> it's almost like Shakespearean and the number of tragedies that happen because nobody said anything. <laughs> like you yeah, didn't just like say what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Like we all know that, you know, Asian families communicate their love through food and action and not words of affirmation. <laughs> um, and that was important in this movie just to show that uh, like our art team, did a lot of research on each of the dishes that you see in the movie. Um, like there's dumplings, but also, you know, May and her family are Taishanese. So the, the art team like uh, researched like typical Taishanese dishes that would be cooked at home, like eel fried rice. There's like other things in there too. And a lot of care was like, and, and thought was put into all of the dishes that you see. Like when, when, when May's having, dinner with her with her aunties and her grandma and her family uh at, like that table like setting the food we specifically made like a little bit fancier like you see like i think there's like abalone or like like fancier seafood that you can imagine that the family like placed a special order at a local restaurant like it's not the typical kind of food that you'd eat every day and then that that scene where like ming her mom is trying to like woo her back like, 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 oh, like, where are you going? I made dinner. Like you see like those dishes on the table are like a little bit more homey and like more like comfort food. So yeah, like every dish you see, like I had to go to a review and like, look at like pork slices and be like, that's not thick enough. <laughs> or like, that's not glossy enough. Like we had to put a lot of thought into every dish. <laughs> you know. Another thing I wanted to ask you about you know, I, I made the I'll, I'll be honest, like I made the mistake of trying to watch this screener with my five year old daughter. <laughs> it was just like, what's happening? What's why does that? What's, why, what's going on? Like she just didn't understand. Like she didn't even understand the level of like, what do you mean? Like she likes that boy at the convenience store. I was like, I don't want to explain this to you. Let's watch something else. Let's watch, let's watch Bluey. Let's just watch Bluey. I mean, hopefully like this and like uh, this movie is like one of those movies that you can watch repeatedly, like at multiple points in your life, like when you're about to, you know, 
hit puberty, but also like when you're grown up and hopefully further away from all that cringy, embarrassing stuff that happened to you. Still and waiting. You can kind of like still waiting for that phase <laughs> to end. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. Soon, hopefully. Uh, yeah, any day now. Yep. <laughs> what was what was it like to pitch the idea? Like what came like what came first? Because. Uh, I have friends that make animated series. I have friends that pitch like ridiculous things. And whenever we pitch stuff to uh, Hulu or Netflix or whatever, they always laugh when we come up with a crazy idea. Like they always say, like, yeah. pitch us the craziest idea. We give them a crazy <laughs> idea and they're like, that's so crazy. Like, no, we cannot do that. <laughs> and I was yeah. just imagining what it must be like to have like pitched this idea. Like, how did you, what, what happened? Was the first draft, worst? first pitch like hey i got this idea with a girl she turns into a red panda <laughs> yeah actually well so it was back in 2017 and i had just finished bow and uh pixar approached me and asked me if i wanted to go into development and develop three ideas for a feature film uh and they asked this for all their directors like you you work on three ideas and then you pitch all three of them and then the studio picks one so you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So I pitched Turning Red with two other ideas, but all three of my ideas were were girl coming-of-age stories um, because that was just a topic I was really passionate about telling. Uh, I felt like at the time, and it's better now, but at the time I didn't really see a lot of these types of stories in the media, and I thought it'd be cool to you know, make something for a 13-year-old me who was going crazy uh, and dealing with all these changes in my body and my relationship to it's, it'd be cool to have a movie to say like, it's okay. <laughs> we're all messy and we're all going to survive this. And yeah. And all three of my ideas came from kind of like a personal place. And that's kind of how most Pixar films start uh, or how Pixar kind of encourages its directors to find their stories is to like reach into a, a personal experience you know, uh, like for a lot of the directors, you know, like with Pete Doctor and Monsters, Inc., it's directly his experience with being a dad for the first time. Same with Finding Nemo. Inside Out was about getting into the mind of his 13-year-old daughter and trying to figure out what she's been going through. Um, so that's where Turning Red kind of started. It was from like trying to explore and unwrap this, um, like my own kind of relationship with my mom growing up in Canada and kind of like this kid kind of caught between two worlds and also, and, and then like putting a metaphor on that and like, like she's literally caught between human and animal form. Um, yeah. Like I, I was like, is this too autobiographical? Is this too specific? But I think that, like I mentioned that before, that's kind of what made them lean in even more. Uh, Chris, we gotta, we gotta change our pitches up. <laughs> <laughs> you can like start from like the personal place and then put wacky shit on top of it <laughs> that's been my strategy oh wait i don't know if i can say shit sorry no, don't, but, uh, don't worry there's an explicit explicit uh language on this podcast i'm doing my okay, best good. not to curse because of oh. i guess technically disney is our parent boss as well chris right yeah we all work for disney we all, yeah, we all work, work for, for disney. disney we all fucking goddamn work for fucking disney <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just going back a little bit to what you were saying uh, about, you know, the there's like a West, like the, the Western value for animation is different than like the Japanese value for animation. You know, it's like used so in so many more contexts. And I, I, that's, I was thinking about that as I was watching. I was thinking about 
I was thinking about you, Dave, and I was thinking about Momofuku, and I was thinking about like whether this is a turning point for animation in the same way that like Momofuku and and the restaurants in like the early two thousands were a turning point for food, where it's like all of these undervalued ways of expressing yourself in in the Western world are being sort of used in different ways in Asia. You know, like when when Dave started cooking, it was like nobody cared about noodles in, in America. You know, nobody thought about noodles as a way of like expressing yourself, expressing like your culinary creativity. Nobody's thought about it as like a serious form of cooking. And I think, you know, as I was watching this and, and you know, I like I said, it was it's not slapsticky at all. And I realized like, oh, you can communicate so much more through animation than live action in a lot of ways. And I mean, is that, is that, is that true or is that just total nonsense? Like, would you ever consider, I mean, from this directing in live action? Uh, maybe, but my, my, I've, I've always just loved dra- like drawing and the, the visual storytelling of, of animation, like the, the freedom to basically set your story in in like wherever you want and just design it from from scratch is just amazing and i'm kind of a control freak too so animation is a perfect medium for that because you can just spend like hours in a review talking about the texture on a sweater (laughs) and or or like yeah like analyzing the subsurface scattering on on like a piece of food and being like oh that needs to be shinier scattering the subsurface scattering of the food was amazing i thought you did a really good job of scattering i say the the same thing when i look at dishes uh, (laughs) look at that so yeah look at that (laughs) well you know that that's what i wanted to ask uh, even before uh i saw the movie was this is a big step up, your first directorial debut. You manage this project, you know? Have you managed things before other than the, the, the bow, the, the short animated feature, which is amazing? Because this has got to be quite the transition. Like, did, some, did someone prepare you for the pitfalls, or did you just watch your predecessors be like, this is how I guess you do it? You know, I tried to prep as much as I could, but I, like, it, you, you just can't anticipate what it is until you start doing it. I mean, you you probably know from like running like a million restaurants and podcasts and TV shows. And I thought I had a taste of it with Bao because the production pipeline for Bao is, is pretty similar to a feature film, except it's a lot shorter and and like more condensed. So I had, you know, I had some experience being an edit, uh, kicking off animators, um, layout review, lighting and all that stuff. But then once you have this feature film that you're responsible for and you have like an hour and a half to fill of, of, of stuff of like emotional, funny stuff. And, and you have like a crew of hundreds of people that are just looking to you for, to make decisions (laughs) and you just have to be like on making decisions and making people like feel good about the decisions that, that you're making, like from like, for 10 hours a day, then it's, yeah, it's, it was a lot, especially like, I mean, I'm just naturally kind of introverted and I've always just been the shy girl drawing in her sketchbook in the back of the class to suddenly being thrust into the spotlight, having to give like motivational pep talks after like a bad screening or after we got like a ton of tough notes. And it's just, it was just, and then also like transitioning to working from home 
that was a crazy curveball that I don't think I could have prepared for. But yeah, I, I, I think I grew a lot, but no, I did not. I could not have predicted this at all. I mean, that's the unfortunate, sick irony, like twist, is that because you're so good at it, the more successful you get, the less you get to do. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, are you still cooking every day, David? No. No, it's been years, really. Like, uh, you know, since uh, Major Doma, the restaurant opened up. Uh, that yeah. was like the last time I really got in there. Even before that, I, I was like pretty much off out of the restaurants and you know yeah. you see this time and time again just because you're really good at cooking doesn't mean you're going to be a good chef and yeah. and and unfortunately if you're really good at cooking it means that you're so good at something that no one else knows how to do it so you don't develop the communication skills if you're mm-hmm. actually bad at it to like mm-hmm. you know tell me how to do this and explain things so it's a it's a it's a weird paradox and i was thinking about you i was like wow that must have been a hell of a transition and and the thing that I see a lot with a lot of first time chefs is that when they after they get their first sort of menu out there, then that's like their autobiographical experience, the first menu they create. And it's amazing. And then they have to do the second act or the third act. And mm. they have not it's harder for them to say something. So they wind up doing like, you know, paperwork or like accounting. They do everything but they're doing the thing that they love the most, which is drawing like. How do you get back to drawing and still directing and creating more movies? Because that's got to be a challenge that's not just limited towards your profession, but just anybody that is trying to grow their own career. Yeah, it's so hard. It's like you said, like, I draw so much less now than I did before, and I really miss it. (laughs) Um, When I was directing... I tried early on to like hold on to, to drawing like that, that hands on, like I was like, I'm going to be one of those hands-on directors. I'm not going to give up drawing, but then it just became like impossible with your schedule and you have to like oversee so much stuff. But I was lucky in that I was able to uh, storyboard a little bit at the beginning of production and then throughout production, like any opportunity I got, like if it was in an art review or animation review, like I have my iPad there. And when I would give notes, I would like do a literal, like I would do a draw over for the artist and I would like show them. So that would be my way of, of trying to keep drawing alive. But it was very like small and few and far in between. And you, you can so easily like lose it. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a pure it's victory. It's a, it's a weird feeling to have. Um, and I didn't get back to cooking until I started cooking for my family, you know, with, with yeah. actual kids. And it's reconnected me in food in ways that I could never have had the time for before. So I, I would just say on your journey, I know nothing about it, but my only advice would probably be to like realize that this is just a temporary thing and your job is yeah. to make everyone better and you don't get mm. to, you just have to suck up the fact that you don't get to do what you want to do anymore. That's just the reality. <laughs> 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 Yeah. True. Very true. It's funny. I mean, Dave, you talk about that all the time of just like you, you put a chef, you know, you put a chef in charge and you go like to the, visit the restaurant and you're like, where, where is she? Where is he? And then they're like downstairs peeling onions. Why don't, why don't they care about it as much as I do? I'm sure you see a great artist working on a, a, an idea you had, but it's like, if I did it, it would be this. And maybe this artist is better than I am, but like, I, I care about it so much more than they do. It'll be better. You know, and mm-hmm. I think it's just so hard. So I can't imagine, you know, 
with art, it's like it's a it's almost like it, not a, that it's instant. You can instantly see if it's like good or bad, right? Like that. How do you hide your expression when you see something that you don't like? <laughs> oh my god, I was so bad at it. I, I actually got it's like skill. Talks. it's a real skill you got to learn. I had to like I. I got like, like, like pulled aside from managers sometimes. Cause they're like, Domi, you, you kept making this like crazy face when <laughs> the artist would show you a sequence. Like sometimes I couldn't control, like when I'm processing something, it's not like I hate it, but I just have this like stank face on. Like I'm like, <laughs> and like, there, and like, I think like a, like an FX artist, like collected like a, a series of screenshots of me on zoom like in effects review like going like oh like that and i just have to yeah that's something i'm still working on i have no poker face well, well, well do me I, I i can tell you something that i i've, I've uh, communicated to chris that you can work on and it's it's uh, it's like the the grin condolence or it's the you just have to say hey you channel it through being extremely nice and courteous, like a sociopath. <laughs> Chris, that's a, Chris, that's, a, um, that's a that's excellent work. I really think it's amazing. Great job, great job. Um, but I think we could do this, this, and this. But in, in the meantime, you're like, this is one of the worst advice. goddamn things I've ever seen. You know, you, you just have to kill them with kindness. Like Chris, uh, cannot like believe sandwich. you delivered. Yeah, it's so it's great, great oh. work, great oh work. Oh my god! Oh just my god! Just constantly do that. I, that's my suggestion. Please don't oh, take I'm this so advice. To, I'm so scared to get feedback from you, David. <laughs> now that I know your tells, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right, if he says he likes it, he, he hates, hates it. it. Exactly. He hates exactly. It. Uh, the other, the other day, so I, I know, you know, most like, like studio, what do you, how do you pronounce this? Ghibli, Ghibli, the, the like main Ghibli. So a whole bunch of people at our office recently, I was talking about, you know, showing my kids different things and, and getting tired of my little pony and yeah. Barbie and things like that. And they're like, you've got to show her this, you've got to show her these things. And I was like, guys, oh, yeah. I can't, I I drive, I drew a line a long time ago in my life that I can't get into anime. Because I have too many, too many, too many, too many uh, pursuits that that uh, already make it hard for me to function socially. But can you talk about? Can you make the case for me? Can you talk about some of your influences, places to start, like other things that have like led you to where you are? And if if you're like resistant like me to to getting into some of these like non Western animated things, what should we be watching? Oh, oh my gosh, watch Ghibli! Wait, hold on, let me roll up my sleeves. Yes, <laughs> Ghibli. You have to show your kid Studio Ghibli, like My Name Totoro, Spirited Away. Uh, it's not even considered anime. I think it's just Japanese animation. He's kind of like like Miyazaki is his own like genre, and there and there's a ton of food porn mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. all of their movies because uh, you know I've been super inspired by Miyazaki movies, and he he never shies away from like gratuitous eating and food shots and he like just spends so much time just animating characters like realistically eating food and that's been a huge inspiration for me on Bao and and, and on this movie I think like it just makes characters feel more real and alive Mm. when you see them genuinely enjoying food and eating it like realistically like in Spirited Away there's like a scene where Chihiro eats this like azuki bean bun but instead of like having her just like bite into it and just like munch like he actually has the animator like like bite and like tear it and you see like 
the steamed bread like tear and you see her kind of like like kind of moving her mouth and that little piece of steam bun like disappearing between her hmm. teeth and she and she kind of like smack like it's like they take so much time and energy just to show characters like genuinely enjoying food and it just makes it just makes it feel so much more like real and 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 alive and and I feel like for Miyazaki movies too like he's able to find like a lot of like realism and truth and like in in the magical his stories are about like magical worlds and characters going to magical worlds and stuff but there's but he fills it with realistic details like people cooking and eating mm-hmm. um that it just makes it i don't know just it's just amazing and you shouldn't avoid it you should watch all of it <laughs> well that that's a good segue because i wanted to incept this idea with you because i have no idea what you're you're working on next after you get through with this press tour but like if Ratatouille is still the best cooking movie out there, I mean, I mean that's a high bar, but like, I think you could, you could, you could knock it off its perch. <laughs> I'd mm. love to try. I'd, I'd love <laughs> Pixar to pay for all the research yeah. that I must do to make Ratatouille too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do no, it. No, <laughs> I think I think you could do it. But, you know, like, I think it would be amazing. I think you could make the best food movie ever. I really Ooh. believe. I really believe that. I I'd be down. I love food. <laughs> so, but okay. So you live in you live in the Bay Area now. Is that true? Yes. Where I live in where Oakland. in Oakland? I, I'm I'm here in Oakland too. But you're from Toronto, and you were born yeah. in China. How much do you miss Chinese food? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, a lot. Uh, every time I go back to Toronto, I'm like, I ask my parents to just take me out to dim sum and all that stuff. Yeah. It, there isn't a, I don't, I don't know the Bay area that well, but it it's doesn't okay. feel like it's there's okay. as much. You can say it. You can say it. You can say it. There's not as much variety as, as Toronto <laughs> as like, even like, like LA even. I mean, it's, it's brutal. It, it, there's it's just, brutal. It's not much people. It's really, yeah. I mean like for, I mean, Dave and I talk about this all the time, like for all intents and purposes, given the population, given everything, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland should have some of the best Chinese food, Asian food in in the world, yeah. and yeah. we just kind of don't. <laughs> just kind Why? of don't. I don't really they've understand. Done, they've it. done so little with so much and so much time. <laughs> <laughs> Look how happy Dave is about this. He's just like He's so like, happy. Because <laughs> when people hear this, they can't throw tomatoes at me. They, you, you got two people that live in the Bay Area that are. I, again, like I'm not saying anyone in the Bay Area. I'm not su- not supporting you guys. I think Domi and Chris are saying that they don't want to support you guys. I fully, oh, support, no. I fully support all of you guys. Don't at me. At them. Unbelievable. Okay. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Okay, I feel you're like right. I need you're right, Domi. It's only Chris's fault. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Chris, well, you've done such a great job supporting the Bay Area restaurant. Really, really. Don't grin back me here, Dave. Let me okay. So speaking of one last thing for me. Speaking of, of, of food and studio Ghibli, I, I'll put you I'll put Domi back on the spot then and throw Hunter of the Bus. Our producer, as we were researching for this uh for this interview, found an Instagram post of yours from 2015 in which you said you were gonna try to cook all of the studio <laughs> Ghibli food in, in reality. Uh, how far, how far did you get in that challenge? Are you, uh, wh- how do you, how do you rate your own cooking? I did like, I think I did that one Instagram post and I gave up. 
I thought if I announced it publicly that it would encourage me to try to do it. And then, and then I just got busy. Well, slash lazy. You know what? This is a good start for this best food movie of all time. Huh? You know? Yeah. It's, this a, is autobiographical. It's time to pick, yeah, pick that, pick it back up. That just means yeah. I'll never do it. <laughs> uh, but I want to. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. And I, and I know that you have a lot of these. So thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you for making an amazing movie. Um, a lot of fun. I learned a lot about 13-year-old girls I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> what do your parents think? Are they oh, are they, they overcome haven't seen with it yet. What? They haven't seen, they're they're going to watch it at the Toronto premiere. Okay. Uh, I invited them to LA but they didn't want to come. <laughs> do, you, do you think they will be as as Asian parents do you think they will be which will win out? They're like overwhelming pride at your accomplishment or they're like terror at seeing some version of themselves depicted on the screen. Which one's going to win out at this? I think the pride, <laughs> especially from my mom, her, yeah. her, her pride will always win over. And she'll be, I mean, she, I, I, I like showed her a picture, like a screenshot. And she was like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad this mom is a lot more beautiful than the bow mom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess that's all she cares about. What's your mom going to feel like when she's like, you're telling me I had so much rage that I am a giant Godzilla panda bear? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm trying to preempt. I'm like being like, don't look too much into it. Mm -hmm. I exaggerated it for the... for the movie, for for entertainment purposes, just mm-hmm. not a true story, yeah. but not really. Yeah, That's a good story. yeah, it's just semi semi autobiographical. I'll say. All right. Thanks, well, thank you. Yeah, of course, it's fun. Thank you, Domi, for joining us. I think we'll be this will be one of those films that you watch. You know when we saw inside out when you told i said i didn't like inside out so much now i like it because you know why i've seen it 55 times <laughs> and i think that this is going to be a movie that i'm going to watch in the same amount this is just pixar is one of those things that adults and kids can like which i wish i could say the same about disneyland oh my god oh my god whatever you know? somebody buy him a, a season pass and just turn him into a disney lover no come on bye give us five stars <laughs> <laughs>